It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the Monday morning edition. Justin Ferguson right here in Auburn, Alabama. Also in Auburn, Alabama, one Mr. Dan Peck. Hello, Dan. Hello, Justin. Hello, Painter. Hello, Peck Peck. Painter Sharpless checking in from Parts Unknown. Painter, how are we doing? No complaints. It has cooled back off here. They, they teased us. Off. They hit us with that 65-degree weather for a few days, and then they were like, what if it got really close to uh, some light... Oh, what's the word for the light snow? It's not a drizzle. Sleet. Yeah, well, dusting. Good enough. Dusting. Yeah. Thank you. That'll ah, work. Yes. Uh, the the rumor the the rumor is is that you might be getting a reprieve from the from from the from the frozen north here shortly, and and perhaps uh, coming back to uh, greener pastures for 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 uh, for a brief time. Expecting any, it to be warmer. Things? Expecting it to be uh, a familiar sight, folks. We're loving bow and arrow, aren't we? <laughs> that's that's going to be the move. We just show, just show up and say hello. I'm here. They do not have this where I am from. I went. Uh, well, Chadma, because we I mean, we don't have ads. We don't have any restaurants. Uh, I went to I went to Busher Paper in Opelika uh, the other day, and man, that always always delivers. I I do love a I do love a barbecue restaurant where it's just like like. You walk in and it's just dudes slinging barbecue, just guys, like just like laid back, just bros, just like, yep, here we go, let's do this, um, and slinging slinging a uh, barbecue until they run out. That's 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 a wonderful life. One of the few times I've stepped in and said I need to be the voice on that commercial was when Butcher Paper was yes. a sponsor on the uh, on ESPN 106.7, and I maintain. You know, tough to say the best. This might be an observer category, but sure, on the top tier of sandwiches you can get in Lee County, I think is a brisket sandwich from from the folks at Butcher Paper in Opelika. I would I would ride for that as well. Uh, we're not here to talk barbecue, otherwise, you know, we we could probably do a whole podcast on that. It's a long off season, but we do have a decent bit to discuss uh, because this has been a pretty big weekend, especially in the world of football and Auburn football specifically transfer portal um clo- like we're recording this on sunday afternoon early evening transfer portal closes in a few hours um so if you want to get in you better get in unless you're a graduate transfer so there'll still be some room for some movement but big time developments over the last few days that affect the tigers and also it was nfl draft weekend uh, always a cool time and after just getting one guy last year in the draft auburn getting back to five this year a little bit more normal, uh, closer to normal, and uh, we'll we'll discuss uh, th- those developments as well. But uh, let's go bat and lead off. Uh, I'm going to. By the time you're listening to this, there will be a newsletter out uh, if you're subscribed to the Observer about uh, this specific position and this these specific players. Um, but uh, you know. We have to lead off with the most important position on the football field and the most important developments, I think, of the weekend. Hugh Freeze on Thursday night uh, was in Huntsville as part of um, the ambush tour. Somebody asked him about the quarterbacks, and he said, hey, you know, but I'm paraphrasing here, but he says, you know, maybe maybe somebody will come up in the today or tomorrow or, tomorrow or the next day uh, that will be like, ooh, maybe, maybe. Lo and behold, uh, less than 24 hours later, Casey Thompson hops into the portal from Nebraska. Uh, Jeff Sims looking like he's winning that job after transferring from Georgia Tech, uh, following you know with a new staff there 
in Nebraska uh, with Matt Rule taking over. Uh, Casey Thompson ha- hopping into the portal. And then Sunday morning, uh, the big news, I think, um, on, on the on the eve of the transfer portal closing, uh, Peyton Thorne, starting quarterback at Michigan State, announcing that he's in the portal um, as well. Or the word is that he is, he is in the portal along with their best receiver returning uh, this past season. So really interesting stuff up with the Spartans um, right now. But Auburn uh, hosted – Casey Thompson was, you know, as of the time we were recording this, was expected to host Casey Thompson on a visit on Sunday. And uh, a lot of early reporting and, and, and you know, speculation from, from, from fans, but reporting on some of, you know, the people who cover recruiting on the side that – Auburn having interest in well as well as in Peyton Thorne does get really interesting when you have a guy on campus and you might want the other guy and it's just how that kind of sorts itself out to be very interesting but gentlemen two starting quarterbacks from the Big Ten entering the portal here right at the death both of those guys are grad transfers so they could have made moves a little bit later but Auburn's been waiting it out and waiting it out and no these are not you know this is guys who don't have like Grayson McCall stats but um, dudes who both have multiple years of experience starting at the Power Five level, and, and good and, and good numbers that I think would be upgrades for what Auburn's got in their room right now. When we were speculating on what might be available in this portal window, one mm-hmm. of the things that seemed like it made sense was if a quarterback played some last year, and since then a more established quarterback has entered the room. You might see last year's starter decide, all right, I'm going to test the waters in the portal. Sort of like what Jackson Dart did when uh, Caleb Williams arrived at USC. Buckner at Notre Dame leaving because Sam Hartman shows up from Wake Forest. Chance Nolan is in the portal at Oregon State because DJ Uyagalele showed up. Casey Thompson fits into that mold because Nebraska went out and got one of the best quarterback options in the portal, seemingly, in uh, uh, Sims out of Georgia Tech who has played well in his, uh, you know, has, has looked pretty good in the glimpses people team. have. And on, on a bad team, looked good. And I, I think there's you – know, the fact that Matt Rule went out and picked Sims mm-hmm. from the portal, I think also sort of – you know, the writing was on the wall for Casey Thompson. And there could be a good situation available to him somewhere else because there are some teams that feel like they're a quarterback away from – being vastly improved. I think Auburn's in that category. I think Florida is in that category. And I would imagine those will be two of several Power 5 suitors that are heavily after Casey Thompson. Yeah, Thompson makes a ton of sense because he's a guy that has started for two seasons at two different programs. Um, He was at Texas. Had a solid 2021 season at Texas. Um, And then entered the portal because uh, Quinn Ewers was winning that job at, you know, five-star Quinn Ewers was winning that job at Texas, and now Texas has it again with Arch Manning coming in um, and making that interesting there. He goes to Nebraska, and not a great year for Nebraska, but I don't think it was really through the fall of Casey Thompson when you look at his numbers. Pretty solid numbers. Um, his last uh, – this is going off of his two seasons as a starter. I added him up uh, here for, for, that, for that newsletter that will be out on Monday. Uh, 63% uh, completion percentage, 8.45 yards per attempt. 41 touchdowns and 19 interceptions. Um, we'll talk about Peyton Thorne as well in a moment, but like these are numbers that 
I mean, quite frankly, Auburn has not had that kind of passing number, those kind of passing numbers since Jarrett Stidham. Uh, it's been a minute, uh, and, and obviously we know that Bo Nix goes to Oregon and he's you know thrives up there, uh, but Auburn just hasn't had that kind of production. In the case of Casey Thompson, a guy who redshirted, you know, waited his turn at Texas, got his opportunity, got recruit, you know, recruited over him by, you know, what a lot of people think is an elite talent in Quinn Ewers. Um, you know, he goes to Nebraska. He had – one of the things that's interesting about him is that he had surgery recently, and he didn't get to throw much, uh, if at all, um, during uh, during spring practices um, because, because they were rehabbing that, which I think allowed a guy like Jeff Sims, who was already – you would consider to be kind of the favored one because, like you just said, Dan, the new staff went and got him specifically. Um, Casey Thompson, you know – jumps into the portal and he's got options and Auburn looks like one of them. Uh, it's just going to be really interesting. I, I think Casey Thompson, again, a solid, I mean, you look at his numbers, these are above average, you know, power five starter numbers. Um, you know, not championship, you know, winning quarterback in his past, not award winning quarterback in his past, probably a better way to put it. Um, but those are passing numbers and he's done it both now in the big 12 and in the big 10 that really, really, uh, stand out stands out to me, and I'll say this, and, and, and Thorne gets lumped into this as well. When you're looking at, you know, bringing in guys at this point, you can't bring in an SEC quarterback. And I don't want to get elitist here by any means about conferences, but as the NFL draft has shown this past weekend, the Big Ten's really the only other conference that's hanging with the SEC in terms of the talent and the production, and like it, it, it's the Big Two. And so if you can get somebody from the Big Ten. At least you know it's not going to be as big of a jump as, say, if you're picking off somebody from maybe the Pac-12 to play the quarterback position. Um, and so I think that's I think that's just an interesting case that both of these guys are in the Big Ten, and that is the closest in conference strength to what we are currently seeing in the SEC, and, and the results have kind of bore themselves out here. This is standard Justin Ferguson anti-West Coast quarterback yes. talk, though, too. Right. Because I, mean, right. I do want to point out, DTR was drafted. Caleb Williams is the no, reigning, I'm just saying, reigning I'm just saying Heisman the Trophy. The competition that you face week in and week yeah. out. Uh, and, and, the quality of team is just better in the Big Ten and the SEC. Compare, and, again, yeah. ACC, Big, ACC is part of that, and that's the other coast, and, and Big 12 and, and the Pac-12 as well. I won't disagree with that too much. I would say go, going into this upcoming season between Caleb Williams and Bo Nix, the Pac-12 oh, probably yeah. has two of the five best quarterbacks sure. in college yeah. football or in that, in that short list right and now. For me, it's everything else, though. Like, oh, for sure. You know, yeah. 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 I mean, the, no, the surrounding – because what – it, we see that in year after year in college football that what's around a quarterback matters a ton, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not just about – I mean, because geographically, California is producing more high-level quarterbacks than just about anywhere else, too. I mean, right. Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud didn't play college football in California, but that's where they're from, and they just mm-hmm. went 1-2 in the NFL draft this past week. So, I mean, it's, it's uh, you're, you're absolutely seeing a migration of – and, and maybe top players aren't picking the Pac-12, right? Top quarterbacks like they used to no. because because the rest of the top talent on the board isn't picking the Pac-12 either. And that's only going to get worse with USC and UCLA yes, absolutely. Hit, hitting the exit in, in a couple of months. Right, yeah. USC and Caleb Williams, those are Pac-12 quarterback. That's a Pac-12 quarterback and a Pac-12 pro- program for the moment. I mean, Caleb Williams will be gone next year, but – 
you know, he won't be a Big Ten quarterback, but everybody else who will come behind him, um, the new one at, at USC that everybody's excited about, Malachi Nelson, is going to be a Big Ten quarterback. So, um, really interesting there. Just I think – and the other thing I'll say about Thompson, this is something we mentioned uh, on the drive the other day, Dan. Um, Casey Thompson has already made a transfer and has been a starter and is very – I think he's 24 uh, now – like he's an older guy, played and seen a lot to this point. So when you, we've talked about, hey, if you're going to want to be a starter, you need to come in and do some work quickly. The fact that he's older and has already been through this before, I think it will at least alleviate some of the concern of like, okay, how, how quickly can you pick this thing up and try to win a job? And, and you don't want to get too much into heritage and stuff like that, but this is also someone who is the son of a college football quarterback. You know, you wonder how much he's been – I mean, I think, I think he's familiar – for, for a long time, he's been ready for the the freelance world of college football, if, if that's necessarily what it takes to just take your services to another school and roll with the punches. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what Casey Thompson decides. The, the uh, Michigan State situation seemed to be a bit of a surprise today, right? Like, that's one that's more difficult to explain than Casey Thompson uh, leaving because a new coaching staff recruited a new quarterback out of the portal it's it's a little bit more of a question mark there in east lansing right i would think so uh michigan state uh, we'll, we'll talk here with peyton thorne now michigan state struggled last season i mean this is uh, won the peach bowl it was you know given uh given all that money to uh given all that money to 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 mel tucker everything kind of was was heading in the right direction. But what happened last year at Michigan State? They go 5-7. and seven. And here's why they go – to me, here's why they go 5-7. and seven. Peyton Thorne had these really good numbers. He was able to stretch the field. I mean, 2021, Peyton Thorne threw for 3,200 yards, 27 touchdowns. Uh, you know, was a really, really good quarterback. His first year as a full-time starter leads his team, you know, to this phenomenal 12-win season. Who was standing next to – Peyton Thorne for most of that 2021 season. Kenneth Walker the third, and now Kenneth Walker goes to the NFL and he gets off to a good start with his career with the Seattle Seahawks. And without that running game um, last season, uh, Michigan State went from a team that, with Kenneth Walker, um, had you know one of the best weapons in college football in 2021. Last season, Michigan State uh, ranked. Uh, let's see, they ranked. 89th in rushing last season in college football, only 16 touchdowns and just 3.76 yards per carry. So without that, the offense really took a step back. And Thorne, it was interesting, Thorne, I think he had one more interception, maybe a couple fewer touchdowns, fewer touchdowns. He raised his completion percentage, uh, but it was just everything didn't quite work for them. And Michigan State needs a reset, or at least they would like to get that kind of reset. Uh, for them this year and Noah Kim is a guy that played a little bit last season uh, he played against Ohio State uh, and, and played well um, you know and it looks like Noah Kim might be the guy for Michigan State moving forward so now Peyton Thorne comes out he's going into the portal I, I I'm, I'm fascinated with Peyton Thorne um, talking to a couple of people on Sunday it's going to be very interesting to see what Auburn does with this with this quarterback situation. If you have Casey Thompson on campus and he is in for a visit, but there's a sense that maybe Auburn prefers Peyton Thorne over Casey Thompson um, because of his style of play, 
Um, could be it could be part of it. He's a, he he has run, run a lot more. He's more of a design runner. He has been used more as a design runner at Michigan State than Thompson was at Nebraska and Texas. Also, um, case you know Peyton Thorne played through injuries last season, uh, much like uh, you know uh, much like Robbie Ashford did. But you get that surgery that you're, you're coming off of if you're if you're Casey Thompson. And additionally, additionally. Casey Thompson has a guarantee. It looks like he just has one year of eligibility remaining, whereas Peyton Thorne could get a year. You know, he, he has a COVID year that he could still use. So it could be up to two. Like, he could – whoever gets Peyton Thorne could have him for the next two years. So that may make his, his value a little bit more. But essentially, I don't think they can go wrong with either. It's just be very interesting to see how Auburn plays this one out. You mentioned Casey Thompson's age, and it's interesting you bring that up because something I've heard around college basketball – more than college football, but I think it could also bleed into college football. There are coaches who are worried about the number of miles on some of the legs of seniors and super seniors. And when you bring someone in, is their body starting to break down towards the end of their career? Do you have to worry about that when you're recruiting someone who's playing their fifth year of college basketball or their sixth year of college basketball? And I think it would only be more worrisome in football because of the physicality of the sport. You know, are, are you sure about what you're getting when you recruit a fifth-year player or a sixth-year player? Because those are, I mean, this year I, I felt like it was noticeable the number of upperclassmen that were suffering injuries and you just wonder is that especially with the extra year of eligibility from covid is is that the miles accumulating and wear and tear starting to get to these athletes in ways that we didn't see it when careers were a little bit shorter Peyton Thorne by the way just reading out his number 61.5 percent completion percentage over his two years as a starter 7.62 yards per attempt uh, 46 touchdowns, 21 interceptions. Like I said, ran the ball a little bit more as a designed runner um, than Casey Thompson did in his last two seasons. Uh, against ranked opponents, uh, I think Thompson's about a 58 or 59-60% thrower. Um, you, you've got – but the thing there, it was breaking it down, Casey Thompson didn't play a ranked team last season. Uh, he was injured for the only time Nebraska played a team that finished ranked in the top 25. Uh, whereas, obviously, like we were saying earlier, in the Big Ten and the Big Ten East, you play a whole lot more if you were Peyton Thorne. So it's just really interesting uh, to see kind of how Auburn will go about this because um, they look like, you know, Thompson, uh, interested enough in Thompson to jump into the portal and bring him in quickly for an official visit, um, you know, this, this weekend. But also, um, it does seem that Auburn has, has at least – it makes sense that Auburn would have interest in a guy like Peyton Thorne. It'd be very interesting to see how they play this one out, uh, for sure. Uh, but you know, both of these guys and Painter, I'm interested to hear what you had to say. Like both of these guys, you know, I get that they're not Grayson McCall. I get that they're not these just superstar names. They're not you know Sam Hartman or some of the guys like that. But I, I think it's. I think it's pretty obvious that Auburn would like to add something else at the very least into that into that quarterback room. And even though you would like to see maybe what Robbie Ashford could do in this system or see what some of the young guys you got, I, I, the fact that they're going after these guys in the portal makes me think, like, this is the direction they want to head. They just need to kind of nail it down here. Certainly Hugh Freeze hasn't left it you know in the balance about whether or not they would go to the portal if they felt like they could improve their situation and and i think 
when you look at this objectively, it's it's hard to feel like it's not an improvement. Yeah, it's just being able to throw the ball more consistently. And look, I a guy like Robbie Astrid, he played through injuries last season, um, but his his numbers were what they were last year, throwing the ball. Like he was one of the least efficient and least accurate quarterbacks in the country. Now, everything was going wrong around him. He was playing through injuries. That is all that is true. Can he make that step up to you know what Auburn needs to be a team that wins games in the SEC, or do they feel better off going into the portal and getting somebody there? Keep in mind, I wrote, wrote about this recently. Hugh Freeze's track record is to go with the transfer, to go with the newcomer uh, if all else fails. Uh, you go back to his very first season at Ole Miss, they get Dr. Bo Wallace out of junior college. He becomes their guy for the next few years. He has a three-wide quarterback competition between two dudes who had played before and then a third transfer in and Chad Kelly. He ends up going with Chad Kelly, right? They get Malik Willis. He has to sit out at Liberty. But he ends up being the guy, you know, when he, whenever he's eligible. There's this track record, at least with Freeze, of going and getting his guy or going and getting a new guy to come in with that experience to have that kind of stability there. And there's no guarantee, even if they get either of these guys, that they're 100% the starters. But waiting this, you know, waiting this stretch and keeping it open, and like you just said, Painter, like it was, it's not like Hugh Freeze has sat here and said, like, oh, well, maybe, like, you know, he's like, hey, hey, we, we would be interested, you know, if they fit us. It's not like you know, they're not they're not hiding anything about it to in order to like make sure the quarterbacks stay in place. It's just being kind of honest about about the about the situation that they're. In. And I don't see any Auburn fans under the assumption that this is going to change a whole lot about the season. I think people are just cautiously optimistic that it could be an upgrade, which is, I think, nice that the expectations, if Auburn were to go out, pursue one of these two guys we've been talking about or both of them and land one of them, you know, you might get better. But, like, do the fortunes of your season change all that much? Well, probably not. You're still going to be in a year one, and you're still going to be in a situation where you're playing a tough schedule and you're building something. You're not, you know, you're not expected to compete for a championship right away. And even still, like, you have – less of it's not like LSU you know last year LSU turns the page and they win the SEC West well LSU had um you know wasn't coming off of back-to-back losing seasons right you know it was a very different they were not very far removed of winning a championship whereas Auburn you know it's been this year will have been six years since Auburn has been really in the title hunt um you know very strongly towards the end of the season so that is something that I think you know, could you make that expectations? And somebody asked about that in the in the mailbag recently traded on the one on Friday. And he was saying, like, you know, if they don't get anybody, can that help manage expectations? I'm like, yeah, potentially. But also, um, this staff wants to be in one now. They want to be able to put proof of concept out there in year one. And I think one of the keys to doing that is just they've got to get better at the quarterback position, whether that is getting somebody – in or taking what they already have and making them more like an SEC quarterback. And I can tell you which one is a little bit uh, easier for a, for a first-year head coach to pull off than the other. Although I, I would point out in the case of LSU, I mean, they went 5-5 five and five and then 6-7 and seven 
in the two years before Brian Kelly showed up. I mean, there, there's they they were they they were pretty close. They they had the 15 and 0 season, but then two uh, non spectacular seasons under Ed Orgeron before Brian Kelly arrives, and they have that great year last year. Now they had. I guess, a, I, guess I forgot how much they struggled in 2020, but yeah, I mean, it, Auburn the, the, did blow them out of the water, so I should have I should have remembered that more. But but still, but it, but it's. I mean, it's not a it's not a mirror image of Auburn's situation because of how Ed Orgeron had recruited and how many of those players had stuck around at LSU. Brian Kelly still had to put you know he had to make his stamp on the roster and expecting an SEC West championship in year one is you know that, that's that's overly optimistic I think for a lot of Auburn fans with the state of the roster right now. But if Hugh Freeze makes the right moves, I think an improvement over what you saw especially at the worst times last year, like a, a significant improvement in 2023 over, you know, the, what, what you saw during that stretch right before Brian Harson was dismissed. I think that could be in the cards, especially if Auburn were to, uh, if Auburn were to add somebody uh, who can, who can make strides in the quarterback room. And I understand people, some fans uh, became focused on Robbie Ashford, Ashford's potential and upside um, you know, but as I, I see how open-ended Hugh Freeze has left that yeah. quarterback position, it does lead me to believe that they're certainly thinking there could be a better situation. And, and you know, as you mentioned a moment ago, expectations may not change all that much. But if you can upgrade your situation at quarterback, maybe it's the difference in securing a big upset against a better team. Um, you know, like it, it really may not result in this huge drastic difference in the win-loss column, but it might put you in position if you're playing well on a certain day. Because like I, I can understand some of the people saying, well, you know, aren't these guys going to be backups on their own team anyway? Like why are you – why is this really all that different than what you have? But you would also make the point that Auburn, especially over the last couple of seasons – or especially last season – struggled so much in the court in the quarterback room that yeah i mean <laughs> they could they could use that upgrade and, and it's nothing against like can robbie ashford get to be around a 60 percent or over above passer it's possible but he's about to enter his fourth year of college ball and what we have seen is you know in that extent of minutes is just you know he's 49 percent passer last season as many interceptions as touchdowns and and you know some ball security issues incredible runner an incredible weapon and i think there's a chance that even if he's not the starter this year that auburn could use him if he hangs around um that you could use him in that capacity however um you know you just you have to be at least around a, a, a or a, a above 60 percent in a, in a completion percentage if you're a quarterback to have a chance to be a solid sec team much less a good one and I, I would caution folks against judging a quarterback because he wasn't going to be number one on the depth chart at his previous school because that was the story of uh, what, what Jalen Hurts going to Oklahoma because he wasn't going to be the starter at Alabama, had a pretty good season there. Joe Burrow left Ohio State because his path to playing time wasn't clear and, and he had a great season. I mean, there are any number of guys you can point to who found themselves, I mean, just now Jackson Dart, who wasn't stellar last year, but you know, played, kept the job all season long for Ole Miss and looked good at times, really good at times for Ole Miss when that offense was at its best. So I, I think Auburn could still find something, even if even if it's a player who is in the portal because of playing time, that could still represent an upgrade over what Auburn has on the team right now. One of the things that 
we have to look at with this team moving forward and the rebuild is what we're seeing in the portal right now. And look, guys that have entered the transfer portal for Auburn here this offseason, I can read them off to you kind of position by position here. Not very many of them were guys that you would say would be just automatic starters this year. So far it's been, and this is going all offseason, Zach Calzada, Jordan Ingram, Daz Worsham, Xavier Capers, Tavares Dawson Jr., Landon King. Keandre Jones is probably the exception as a guy who started a decent bit of football for Auburn on the offensive line. Avery Jernigan, now Colby Smith. Uh, mentioned Landon King as well. He he goes into the portal on Sunday. Marquise Robinson, Jeffrey Ambot, Tabichi O'Coley, Joko Willis, Dylan Brooks, a new entrant as well from the last time we talked. Cam Brown, Desmond Tisdale, Powell Gordon, A.D. Diamond. Of those guys, that's 18 guys. I don't think any of those guys were clear-cut starters except for maybe Keandre Jones if he would have stayed. And, I, and Jones had a, you know, because he's an interior lineman. Yeah, I'd probably have a little bit better better for that. So it's not like Auburn's losing like clear cut starters like Michigan State. You know, Keon Coleman going to the portal is huge for them because it's like, oh, you were the best receiver we had last season outside of Jaden Reed. It's not the fact that guys have left because all of these guys I think are going to get opportunities if they haven't found them already to go get more playing time somewhere else. Um, and you know advance their careers in another way. However, with the news of Landon King and Colby Smith going into the portal on Sunday, the 2021 recruiting class for Auburn, so the one inherited, uh, pieces of it inherited by Brian Harson, left over from the guys, it was the coaching change and all the weirdness with COVID and all the recruiting stuff that went in, went in with all that. Auburn signed 18 guys that year. 15 of them are gone now, including all of the top 10. And when you talk about building a program and being consistency, look, that ain't happening, you know, at the Alabamas and the Georgias or even the LSUs and Arkansas and stuff like that of the world. So it, it does kind of put you, you know, behind. Now you can replace that with transfer portal and uh, talent and Auburn has gone into the transfer portal pretty hard here and will continue to do so. There are a number of guys. I mean, they had this past weekend several guys that we've talked about. All right, edge rushers, wide receivers, linebackers were all in this weekend. It'll be interesting to see how many Auburn you know, snags from that group. But when almost all of one of your recruiting classes is no longer there, it, it makes the rebuilding process tougher because you don't have that consistency and that, that just kind of churn that you would like to have. And so – I. Again, none of these guys are making the bad decisions or even decisions that are just going to just give this devastating blow for Auburn this year. But when they happen in this kind of bulk, it just shows you you kind of have almost a, 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 a complete year you can kind of write off. It's easy for people who sit at microphones to say, yeah, kids should pick schools based on the school and not the coaches because the coaches may not be there, but they're interacting. Players are interacting with the coaches so much. You can't blame them for, you, you know, for the coach having an enormous role in what school they eventually decide. And for kids that, I mean, you're, you're talking about players that graduated class of 21 and, and signed with Auburn. 
Gus Malzahn was the head coach when they started their senior years of high school. Like this program is so drastically different and they've been through so much that I could understand uh, that it's, you know, it's, it's very different than what they expected. And um, maybe if, if they're not looking at a lot of playing time this year, they're ready because a lot of those guys haven't gotten on the field very much at all in their careers. Didn't see the field much last year either. And it's about time. You know, you go three, four years to begin a college football career without seeing the field very much, and it's fair to wonder what kind of career you're going to have. And so I think for a lot of these players, it makes sense to get in the portal and find a situation where you're going to get more playing time this year. The only one of the list you gave just there, uh, Justin, I I think Jeffrey Embaugh maybe ambushed the coaches a little bit with his decision because we talked to him. You know, he, they, they, they made him available to the media not very long before yeah. he, he decided to go into the portal. Everyone else on that list d- doesn't surprise me too much because based on tracking the, the roster and, and the limited glimpses we've had, they didn't look like guys that were pressing no. for a ton of playing time. And, and Keandre Jones got into the portal, you know, before, you know, really early in this process. The thing with Embaugh is if Embaugh would have stayed, he's in your 2 deep probably not a starter and it was just going to be interesting to see kind of where he fell in the pecking order but yeah I mean I again we we talked about and I wrote about I thought Jeffrey Ambaugh was a guy to hey keep an eye on him it makes a lot of sense where his development could take a step forward um but yeah this 2021 class I mean you look at it now and 15 of the of the 18 are gone the only ones that remain uh interestingly enough are Garner Langlow uh who might be Auburn's fourth tackle at the moment Jarquez Hunter, who by all uh, assessments looked like he is blowing away the fact that he was the rank, the number 43 running back in his own class coming out of high school. And Caden Bridges, a guy who redshirted and last year got on the field and got in the rotation and looks like somebody who can, who can be a versatile piece for Auburn secondary um, here moving forward. Everybody else, they're gone or they're in the portal. And so it's just really, really hard – to get a program kind of consistently going when you have that. And then in 2020, you've already got dudes that are on their way, you know, already in the uh, the league, Tank Bigsby being one of them. But, you know, you have a, a handful of guys that are still remaining from that 20 class, but Jay Hardy, Kobe Hudson, Xavier Capers, J.J. Evans, Ladarius Tennyson, Eric Reed, Chris Thompson, uh, J.J. Pegese, Desmond Tisdall, Dre Butler, Let's see. I feel like Painter should be playing some music in the background. Yeah. Well, it's like a Marco like a, Domio, <laughs> Romello Height, uh, Avery Jernigan, who who is now the coach in high school football, I believe. Um, Daniel Foster Allen, Elijah Canyon. You know, all of these guys are Chael Garnett. All these guys didn't finish their careers at Auburn, and so that's another that's a top ten class where the majority of them are gone or didn't finish their their careers. And now you start looking ahead, and it's like, all right, twenty twenty two. Um, you know, you, you, uh, you've already got a defection in Emba. Trey Donaldson never played football for you. Um, and it's just like, can, can they get, can they get that consistency and just have guys stay around? Um, because you're always recruiting, you're always looking to upgrade your roster and there, and there's going to be attrition. But you can't have these seismic like look back and say, okay, at this point in the year, like the good football teams, the really good football teams in conferences like the SEC, those 2020 and 2021 classes are the foundation of their team right now. 
And you're looking at Auburn right now, and it's like, ooh, you don't have that. You don't have that. And so that's what makes it a more challenging you know, venture moving forward. And there, yes, the portal has made it easier for you to rebuild off of that. But it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, mean it's an easy thing. It's easier, but it's not easy by any means. Um, and we'll see how much of this 22 class hangs around long term for Auburn. There, there's some pieces there for sure that are already getting on the field and and looking like they can they can be pieces uh, for Auburn moving forward. However, <laughs> if it project if 2020 and 2021 and 20 like if 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 the 22 class projects like the last two, I mean, are the only positives that are, that came out of the the Brian Harson era at Auburn me, going to be Jarquez Hunter and the fact that they wore different face masks at, at some times because that was cool? Is that it? Because it might be. <laughs> I mean, is the is the light show a Harson era? innovation or is that sure is, is, was that i mean so you get the you get the, i don't the think he was as, as involved in the light show as he was jarquez hunter in the face mask I, I do know those two were were you know things that he at least signed off on and then i guess my question would be was wasn't malzahn i mean malzahn would get credit for the recruitment of hunter right or is that something that happened after after that, harson arrived okay so would that, be, that I, was after he arrived let see me, i, I, let me I thought check on that yeah, I thought maybe we, we were recruiting uh, Jarquez during the 2020 uh, season. M- maybe not. I, I could have that one. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up. I, I could um, have I could have that one wrong. He but. committed after Auburn, uh, or after the coaching change. Okay. He got offered on January 11th of 2021. So that was a that was a uh, he uh, he visit. Now he was a, he, under Malzahn. He made some unofficial visits. Like Auburn's process started with him, but. It looks like the move was really made after the coaching change, and, so, and I don't, I don't so want to yeah, yeah, take full yeah, credit, I, but yeah, I don't, I don't want to take credit away from from Brian Harson on the things he deserves credit for. So that and face mask with, with with the with the roster now after the list of players who just entered the portal, Justin, is there any spot, any position group that looks like there's a critical lack of depth or, or somewhere that really got weak? with the players that jumped in. It's still Jack. It's still the Jack linebacker spot. And, and like with Dylan Brooks, it's not the fact that Dylan Brooks was a guy who played a lot, but it was always like he had experience. He'd been here for the last couple of years. Um, and it's they're, they're going to need something. They're going to need something. Now they brought in two transfers this weekend for official visits that you're going to want to – Keep an eye on, I think, if you're an Auburn fan. Uh, Isaac Ukwu, who we talked about from James Madison, was in for a visit. Uh, and then also, um, Auburn had a visit this weekend from another player from the Sun Belt. I know that makes you happy, Dan. Um, in uh, Appalachian State, edge rusher uh, Jalen McLeod. And McLeod had 12.5 tackles for loss and nine sacks uh, with Appalachian State. Ukwu had ten and a half tackles for loss and seven and a half sacks uh, just last season at JMU in their first year as an FBS member. Again, these are the types of we we talked about this for a while. These are the types of players that are going to be in the portal in, in in the spring for the most part, unless they are guys that like the quarterbacks that are looking to be like you know what you know a premium position I should say. Um, but yeah, that jack spot that is going to be brand new this year because you got Elijah McAllister. 
you got Keldrick Falk, you got Brent Williams, and that's it in terms of scholarship guys. You lost Derek Hall, Eku Leota, Marcus Bragg, Joko Wilson, now Dylan Brooks. Like that is that is a complete turnaround. Uh, and so they're gonna they're, they're gonna have to land one or both of these guys um, to to you know feel pretty confident moving forward, and maybe you have to move some things around. Yeah, I wonder if it gets to a point at that position where be, because you need roster depth, or, or because you'd like to have a veteran body who can produce if called upon, even in in small doses. You know, is that where you start offering someone where you're his only Power Five offer, mm. or you're his only, uh, you're the only SEC school that's been after him? You'd almost make an exception because you need, uh, you need someone who knows what they're doing at that position. Feels like regardless of what Auburn does, unless they land someone with a really, really proven track record, Keldrick Falk and, I mean, and and uh, the Vanderbilt transfer McAllister are going to be called upon for a lot of action in the 2023 season. I mean, Keldrick Falk might play. It's not not too shocking when you think about his recruiting profile. feels like he's got a chance to play as much as, as, as any true freshman we've seen since Bo Nix and Owen Papo mm-hmm. were, were on the field a ton in 2019. Yeah, no, 100%. And I do think, as we've talked Tank, about... Tank in 2020 played a lot, too. I guess sure. Tank would be the other yeah. true freshman that, that's made a, a huge impact of late. We were talking about... Also, at the you know, with this position group, and this was a, another question in the mailbag on Friday. Like, might have to see Cam Riley blitzing off the edge in uncertain situations, and you might need to you know get more creative with sending inside linebackers and DBs. Here's the good thing, though. I mean, it, the the depth and the edge rusher situation. Freeze talked about it like just straight up in, in the spring. He said, you know, we got to recruit better there. Like, yeah, you know, there are needs. I will say though, I do think that where Auburn's situation is at that at the edge rushing position I think having a defensive coordinator like Ron Roberts who is so creative at using different ways to get quarterbacks pressured I think that is a good match it's like he's an ideal coordinator to have in a situation ideally you would want to be a lot more set at you would love to have a Derek Hall back or an Eculiota back and have one of those kind of players you could rely on this year you don't well at least you have a defensive coordinator who has a track record of finding ways to get to the quarterback without necessarily doing the base stuff over and over again, which is what we've seen Auburn do when they've done it well in the past. That was kind of the thing with um, – yeah, that was that was really the thing with uh, with Kevin Steele. And I, I say this, and I, it's going to sound like a slam on Steele, and it's not at all. I think Kevin Steele is a fantastic defensive coordinator. But the thing about Kevin Steele's defense is where you kind of knew what was coming, but he, he had guys in the right situations taught the right way schemed the right way to turn them loose. Like, you knew Auburn in a Kevin Steele defense most of the time was going to rush four. They were have two linebackers, and they were going to run kind of cover two uh, man across. Like, that that's what they were going to do. Now, they would change stuff up every now and then. But the fact that they had the right guys in the right positions and, and, and turned them loose there, it really, really worked. Ron Roberts, on the other hand, is much more of a defensive coordinator where it's going to be a lot of mixing and matching and blitzing and and and, and dropping and, and doing a lot of other stuff like that. And you can win with both types of coordinators. You can see that at the NFL level. It's just it's just different than what we've seen. And for this roster, when you don't have that type of player or you haven't built up that type of depth or rotation there, I think you would rather have a guy like a Ron Roberts for this roster at this moment than a guy like Kevin Steele, where his, you know, he was at his best when they just had their the, that that roster was just set. They were recruiting so well. They were rotating. They had 
development, and the proof is in the fact that you know several of his guys got drafted this week. We were talking about quarterbacks who go into the portal because a new coach arrives and picks his own guy from the transfer portal to start. feels like a lot of the players from Auburn that went into the portal, I mean, you can see a move that happened back in December. Hugh Freeze went and got somebody at the mm -hmm. position that blocked what looked like a more open path to playing time for the internal options, right? Some of the moves Auburn's made on the defensive line maybe influenced Jeffrey Imbaugh's decision to go into the portal. Bringing in players like... Uh, like McAllister and Falk maybe influenced Dylan Brooks and his decision to go into the portal. Even the, uh, the, the Hawaii wide receiver you know, maybe blocked some of Landon King's playing time. So I wonder if some of these guys looked at what the coaching staff did right after they arrived, and now they're deciding, well, we can you – know, the, the corresponding move. This is a ripple effect because th these players were – Essential. I mean, I don't want to use the word replaced because they weren't replaced, but someone was brought in to compete with a lot of these guys months ago, and it feels like the edge is going to the new player. And like you said, there's a there's a track record with Hugh Freeze. When he goes out and and, and has a, a recruit he likes, he brings him in. It it it's often tough to keep that guy off the field if he can go. All right, let's talk some NFL draft here. Uh, but before we do that, let's take care of some business. First off. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. If you like it and you'd like more of it, you can subscribe to the Auburn Observer. Uh, you get twice as much of this podcast. You also get any of our bonus podcasts, including friends of the program, uh, emailed to you as soon as an episode comes out. You'll know immediately. And um, you get all of the newsletters as well. So that Peyton Thorne, uh, Casey Thompson uh, newsletter I talked about earlier, you can get that. You have access to that all of our roster trackers and football and basketball because there's a lot going on at both sports. Everything we write comes to you $6 a month or $60 a year. Subscribe at auburnobserver.com. For those of you who have subscribed, you can help us out in another way as well. If you haven't already, Painter, tell them. Rate, review, subscribe. Just takes like 20 seconds. Leave us a line or two. Uh, five stars for the show. Obviously, we appreciate y'all uh, helping us out. Yeah, it's it just takes a few seconds. Say something nice about uh, uh, about Dan and uh, and and Painter, and we'll read it on the air. We've got a new review to read. You ready, Painter? I think you'll like this one. I think you'll be I think you'll be very very pleased with this one. This is from Auburn fifty nine. Auburn fifty nine says, "Love Justin and Painter, but what really made me subscribe was the Friends of the Program episodes. Got tired of only getting to listen to five minutes. Really enjoy their take on things. So, the only way." To get friends of the program is if you're a subscriber, auburnobserver.com. Check it out. Uh, thank you, Auburn59. Very, very kind of you to review. And uh, we're vain people, so we'll read these on, on air. Uh, also, homefieldapparel.com, the number one place to get collegiate vintage apparel. Um, the Auburn drop is great. Uh, I got um, some, some samples from it uh, sent to me that I've been distributing to uh, friends and family. And uh, highly, highly recommended. Uh, some of the designs they have this year or the, of this new set have been awesome. I'm wearing home field right now. I'm wearing a nice Gonzaga shirt at the moment. If you would like to buy home field apparels apparel, go to homefieldapparel.com. You get 15% off if, you're if it's your first order by using the promo code Observer when checking out. 
And you can also get the official Auburn Observer t-shirt uh, if you just go to Home Field Apparel and search Auburn Observer and get our nice navy t-shirt and be the envy of all around you uh, by wearing our stuff, our logo. Gentlemen, NFL Draft. I think we can go we can go pretty deep here with this because of the Auburn angle, but I do want to just start with a statement. Running backs are back, baby. We are back. <laughs> the position is good again. Bijan Robinson going to the Falcons in the top ten. And then the shock of all shocks is Jameer Gibbs going to the Lions uh, earlier in the first round as well. This is a this is a lot of stuff I write about is nerdy. Uh, and I do a lot of analytics and stuff like that with, with my work, but you know what? Forget the nerds. Running backs are back. Let's go. Let's go. We've got it. I think Bijan Robinson is, I mean, it's, it's, it's telling how talented he is that he's going eighth overall in an era where running backs are, you know, it, it's, it's dismissed that a franchise running back is worth taking with a top 10 or a top 15 pick. I was stunned to see Jameer go 12. I, th- I think that's a, a great pickup for any NFL team. I'm a little confused about the plan for the Lions because I thought, I don't know, I kind of thought they'd be replacing Jared Goff by now. Like It feels like they've gone several drafts where it's like, we need a franchise quarterback. Eh, whatever. And so, you know, and, and maybe they're just, you know, waiting for the right one. Or maybe Goff's better than... I realize having watched the first he had a really good year his, last year. He did have he did have a good season for the Detroit Lions this past year. So it's not it's it's not as though he's just the uh, the, the quarterback that got run out of the the, the Rams there the, the last you know the second half of his final season there in Los Angeles. But no, I think it's it's great to see and and Tank Bigsby absolutely yeah. part of that uh, part of that resurgence. He got drafted a little earlier than I expected in terms of where he fit, finished in the third round. But I think that's part of the reason that like they there was a run on running backs. There was an early push on running backs as well. Tank in Jacksonville should be a lot of fun. I really think each of the landing spots for these players for 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 Auburn in the draft I think are good. I think a couple of them are a lot better uh, than the than the than the rest. They don't stand out. Tank Tank and in Jacksonville might be my favorite fit of that crew. They have Travis Etienne. And he is a versatile back, um, obviously a guy who catches the ball out of the backfield. They got rid of James Robinson last year when it was ETN's turn to go. But you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket, especially at the running back position. And if they can get some of that value they had in Robinson and some of these other running backs recently to go along with the lightning and the and the pass-catching ability of a Travis ETN, that's a really fun comp- combo for years to come, I think in Jacksonville and you're joining a team that's got Trevor Lawrence and you're joining a team that has a really good wide receiver crew. Calvin Ridley is going to be, uh, you know, coming up this year after serving his suspension. Like it's a, it's a fun crew in Jacksonville. They're on the way up. Doug Peterson's a really good coach, just a fun, young, exciting playoff team in Jacksonville. I, I, I think tank is, I think that's a, that's a fantastic landing spot for him. Really excited to see what he does. Um, I think as a number two running back, it's perfect for him to start his career on a team like that where you know with a creative head coach that likes to use several different running backs, he can get those opportunities. 
Yeah, and, and based on Doug Peterson's history, you know, I think he shows that he wants his running back getting 60-65% of the carries at most. You know, He likes a, a 12 carries for one back, 8 for another sort of split if he can manage it. Maybe it'll be a little bit more skewed towards ETN because of his talent, but Tank Bigsby is going to have a chance to produce, and you know, I think it, it just goes with the with the the model that we've seen Doug Peterson use that he wants multiple options in the backfield that are you know regardless of even if the starter's available that backup's going to get quite a bit of playing time and it's going to be a a multi-headed attack at running back and yeah I, I think that's an exciting offense in Jacksonville that gets more exciting when Tank Bigsby shows up another really good fit really fun fit was one a player I wrote about last week and I'm just I'm really really high on him to have a long and successful NFL career, and seeing where he landed it with his with where he was drafted out of uh, out of college, uh, only added on to that for me. Uh, you've got Derek Hall now in Seattle uh, in a situation where the the uh, Seahawks really really want to build a young, exciting defense. They got the best corner in this draft, and you know. Uh, Woolen, uh, Trick Woolen had a, had a, had a great season last year. Um, you know, if I think Woolen was one of those guys, if, if Sauce Gardner would not have had, if Sauce Gardner wasn't as good as as he was last season for the Jets, I think people would have been talking about Trick Woolen more as just this phenomenal player coming out uh, for uh, for the Seahawks uh, last season. It's a fun defense that's trying to rebuild. Derek Hall, can you? I mean, y'all remember how much Derek Hall fed off the crowd at Auburn. Like, he just got juiced. He was a really, really big player that just kind of thrived in that in that environment. You think about some of the big games he had at Auburn, the big plays he had at Auburn at home. Well, now he gets to play in front of the you know the 12th man in Seattle, and I think that's going to be really, really cool. And, man, uh, they said it you know in the draft process, Derek Hall is a Pete Carroll type of player. Like that, that, that he's the type of dude that they want in, at, at edge rusher. Uh, and finally, aesthetically, I think Derek Hall in those really cool Seahawks uniforms. I think it's it's just going to be a nice nice look for him overall. I can see him see him rocking some of the the, the that that neon green accessories and and really just going to work. Thrilled for Anders to uh, to, to get his name called. I was, was it, surprised. Was it, was at it that. Ex- yeah. I mean that's 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 awesome for him and the and the dynasty continues now as as you got two Carlson brothers in the uh, in, in the NFL and and Owen Pepo you know right all, all the best to, uh, to to Owen and I and I hope it works uh, he's going to Arizona uh, correct is that do I do I have that right and so yeah uh, that that's going to be a spot where and you know what that's that's maybe the worst team in the league right now you know especially with Murray looking like he's going to miss the whole season like that 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 might be. That they they're they're in the bottom three if if they're not you know the, the worst situation in the league at the moment and so I think a player like Owen Papo especially if they start you know sending veterans packing there yeah. there could be a surprising amount of playing time for Owen Papo in year one and Arizona struggled on defense so much here in the last year they they're a team that will just try stuff like you know they they drafted Isaiah Simmons so highly a few years ago but it's just like try stuff. Sounds like one of the things they tried was hiring the Eagles' defensive coordinator while the season was still going on, and they yes. had to swap draft picks because of it. So, yeah, they're they're doing some uh, some some pretty desperate stuff. That's now that Dan Snyder is no longer a part of the NFL. That's probably my least favorite owner 
in, in in the league. There's some there's some no, ugly Woody, stuff. Woody, there with, with, Woody Johnson. Woody Johnson's not a. Woody, 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 yeah, Woody Johnson's got some some you know a history. Ursay Jr. in Indianapolis has some stuff that makes you uneasy. But Bidwell in uh in in Arizona that that's uh, that's a, a read up on him. It's fa- it's fascinating. Uh, you were talking about Anders. Here's my thing with Anders. Um, again. I think Anders, if he can get back to what he was like pre the injuries, yeah, he can play in the NFL as a kicker. And it's going to be, you know, it's a very narrow, like very, very tight uh, uh, window of opportunity to play kick. Like when when you, when you don't deliver, they'll send you packing uh, pretty quickly. But it is interesting that, you know, Mason Crosby, I think that era is over in, in Green Bay. And so now you're getting to a, to a situation where, you know, Anders could have the move. You will have to tell me, though, Anders wasn't one of the highest-rated kickers coming out in this class and wasn't a guy, like I said, I think we were surprised that he that he got drafted. I have a theory, and I want to see what you guys think about it. Did the Packers draft Anders Carlson to troll their division rivals, the Minnesota Vikings, for what they did to Daniel and just be like, we got our Carlson, and we're gonna get like, hey, hey, remember when you had one of these, <laughs> and then spent years wa- walking in the wilderness. Meanwhile, Daniel Carlson, I would say, is one of like the three or four best kickers in the NFL now. I think, I think that's why they did it. I hundred percent believe that's why they did, it. and that's not not a knock on Anders. And again, like I said, a healthy Anders could be a guy who sticks in the NFL. He just never was quite the same after those injuries that he had. Yeah, and it's it's a shame because. The career started with so much promise. I hope Anders can rediscover uh, what was working before the injury, because you hate to see that. Like you, you hate to see someone, you know, get get sort of a, a freak injury during a game, and it and it derails their career in a in a permanent way. And so I, I hope that Anders can rediscover the form that had him looking like a kicker who was going to play in the NFL for a really long time earlier in his Auburn career. Also going to Green Bay, Colby Wooden. Uh, with the uh, Colby cheesehead jokes uh, already just easily forming, I, I really like Colby a ton. As he's gonna well. play. He's he's gonna play Colby Jack. I hear for the uh, <laughs> for, for the for the Packers. With Colby, I just I think is that scheme versatility. You know, you can put him in a three man front. You can put him in a four man front. He can play kind of anywhere. I will. I'm hoping. I'm hoping for him. I believe Mon Adams got drafted by the Packers, and they just injuries just kind of took away you know, any of his chance to kind of stick around. Hoping, hoping for better health and better results for for Colby, another dude that's just an awesome player, um, an awesome dude to cover. Um, hoping that he'll have a lot of success in, in 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 Green Bay. When your career is short as an NFL defensive lineman, our reaction should be, of course it is. Like what you're asked to do yeah, on, a, oh God. on a daily basis. Like, oh, yeah, of course your career is short. I don't know how anybody makes it more than a month. So, yeah, yeah. here all the best to Colby Wooden. That's a guy who it's so hard to project line of scrimmage yeah. at the NFL unless the guy looks like an absolute phenom superstar. And even then, right, we've seen, mm-hmm. we've seen can't miss defensive or offensive line prospects who, in fact, missed. So I, I would think that Colby Wooden has everything I would want in an NFL football player, and I would hope that you know he has the the, the good fortune and and the good luck to have a, a productive career because he seemingly has all the all the skill. 
Painter, how do you feel about your Buffalo Bills draft? So I think like most people, I wasn't expecting them to take Kincaid. I had told someone that I wasn't expecting them to take a wide receiver, but that I would have been happy with another pass catcher. And so when they took him, even though I'm not sure it's like this, I guess you could say it's not the safest pick. You know, it's exciting to get a guy that basically is, is going to be used primarily for the passing game, I think. Yeah, him and Dawson Knox, they have two tight ends that aren't like crazy like great blockers like it doesn't matter i mean because yeah. so much of buffalo is spread them out and let josh allen go to work so cards yeah. on the table i didn't know much about dalton i knew nothing about dalton kincaid until they took him and and so it seems like you know i knew people were talking about him as as one of the better tight ends in this class and that like you like when you sit when you hear utah tight end you're like yeah probably <laughs> like that, that, that seems like a position you're like yeah that makes sense dan do you have an nfl team you know, I, I am currently an NFL free agent. I was a Commanders fan for a while. Oh, that, dear. That got, that got harder and harder to justify. Um, I, was a, uh, I, was, I was a Rams fan when I lived in Los Angeles, and, and right. they came to town. But I, I don't, especially now that I've seen them win a championship, like I don't feel that same sort of connection. I find myself rooting for Joe Burrow a lot when I'm watching him, so I might, I might just adopt the Bengals for the rest of Joe Burrow's uh, career. And a pick I really like in this draft, speaking of Joe Burrow, because uh, Jefferson was Joe Burrow's top target at LSU, I love adding Jordan Addison to what they've already got on offense in Minnesota. Like You, you, take, you take a receiver like Addison on top of what else they've been able to do, and it's just, I mean, it's, it, it makes it all that much harder for NFL defenses to try to figure it out. Granted, it's still... It's Kirk still cousins. the Kirk store. Yeah, it's still Kirk back there. But, uh, you know, I, I still wonder if uh, it's, it, it's going to be a real hard puzzle for, for teams to solve. I think that Vikings offense already looked to be one of the best ones going into this year. Now they add Jordan Addison to that. That's, that's a great pick. How do you feel, guys, about you know the way the, the beginning of the draft shook out with, with the quarterbacks? Bryce going over, C.J. Stroud. Uh, I, I don't have any issue with either one i think there are just pros and cons for for both but bryce going over cj i think people are worried about his size but i mean he might be the best dude i've ever seen live at just managing a pressure at just at just manipulating a pocket and and making stuff happen Stroud going to to the Texans is interesting. And then the Texans just going all out and just saying, you know what, we we still want Will Anderson as well. Like we don't want to have to choose between franchise quarterback and best defensive player in the draft. Let's go get both of them. Yeah, I, I wondered with D'Amico Ryan's, the legendary former Alabama linebacker, now the head coach of the Houston Texans, how hard would it be yeah. to pass on Will Anderson if you're D'Amico Ryan's and you think Will Anderson could be that special, even if you have a glaring quarterback need like the Texans, uh, you know, is, is it going to be too difficult? And the Texans decided we've got all these picks from Cleveland through the Deshaun Watson trade. Let's use some of that draft capital and what we've got coming up in future years and let's make a, make, let's make a deal and come away with the second and third picks in this year's draft, and I think they got two of the top three or four players on the board, it looks like, with those two picks, which is, you know, it's an unusually an unusually promising draft for the Houston Texans. By the way, speaking of trades you know, and just how much the, the, the Texans got for Deshaun Watson, the Russell Wilson trade is now complete um, after this draft. So Russell Wilson 
was traded for Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, Charles Cross, uh, Boya Mafe, Tyreek Smith, Devin Witherspoon, who was the number five pick in the draft, and Derek Hall. So uh, that's the that's the total. That's the grand total. Uh, eight players for Russell Wilson. Two first rounders, two high second rounders, and some other pieces that'll definitely get you in the get you in the door in the NFL. I that's what that is a trade and a half right there for for, for Seattle. Yeah, you, you, whatever your favorite synonym is for washed up, like my question would be: Is Russell Wilson that? It's looking likely. Not looking great. Not looking great. You, you know. You know. It's it's something I noticed. And I'm, I'm hardly the first one to make this observation, but when you're an undersized guy, it, it feels like almost overnight you can go from superstar to not worthy of a roster spot oh, yeah. in, in different positions. Isaiah Thomas, right, was, I mean, went from, and I know there's some health things there too, but you think about he went from being the, the leading scorer on a team in the Eastern Conference Finals mm-hmm. to not being, I mean, to, to being too much of a liability to have on the floor for a bad team two years later. Allen Iverson is somebody who you know was, went very quickly from, from superstar to difficult to justify playing at all. And even at quarterback, right? I mean, you think about, I mean, Drew Brees had a, had a pretty, although, although he finished his career still playing at a, a relatively high level, guys like Drew Brees, Michael Vick, I mean, they're, they're, we've, we've seen it. We've seen it happen very sharply when some of that athleticism, some of that quickness goes away. Because that's you're 5'11", you're six foot, you're you're making your you're you're making your living being able to to get away quickly. And if you can't get away as quickly anymore, that's that that's going to be a it, it could be it could be a tough ending to your career. Also at number four, Anthony Richardson. God bless you, Jim Irsay. I don't know if I would have been that. <laughs> I don't know if I'd have been that guy. I mean, at least Josh Allen. At least Josh Allen was a little bit later at the draft. Like you, you could have traded back for you know for for a pick around Josh Allen territory. I maybe maybe, but I think a lot of things are gonna have to go well. Can you? I mean, you can take a player fourth overall and let him sit for an entire season sure. and and learn. Yeah, Trey Lance did uh, it. You know, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so it's just. Mahomes was like what seventh or eighth or something like that. Yeah, I, I just but, but Mahomes Mahomes was on a team that had a good quarterback situation. Sure, yeah, right. Like Mahomes Mahomes wasn't sitting behind uh, behind guys that were marginal Sam NFL Ellinger. starters. <laughs> yeah, like like it feels like uh, it, it feels like Anthony Richardson might do. I I I get why people fall in love with the potential. I don't know if you can justify a top five pick unless he's really really special pretty early in his career. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's it's gonna be he's gonna have to round into form after what we saw at Florida for sure. All right, question for the group, Painter. I'll start with you. You're in the NFL draft. It's draft, it's draft night. Who's the one team you definitely are wanting to? The one team you definitely want to play play for. You want to get picked by, and we're talking like where you where you're living, the whole situation there. I'm going to make you say something other than the Bills. Uh, and then what is the one team that you're like, nope, if I go there, it is it is toast. I'm going to be selling insurance in five years. Like, it's going to be, it's going to be rough. I think it would be fun to play for the Chargers. They 
had a good spot in so San in this Diego. scenario you played at TCU <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well that's that's the that's the anti that's the anti Archie Manning right because Archie Manning specifically told the Chargers not to draft Eli back in back in 2004 that was one of the teams he did not trust with his son's career. And now that they're in L.A., no one cares about them, so the pressure is low. Uh, so I will say them. I don't think that I would particularly care to play for Jacksonville. Like, it would be really hot at the beginning of the year. Uh, they have typically not been very good. I guess you could also extend that out to, like, Places that would be brutally cold, but I'll just say Jacksonville for now because I, I think there's a chance you could be on a bad team. Dan, where are we going? I mean, I I would think that you if you're worried about, you know, it's good getting back to the Archie Manning thing, right? If you look at the historically inept franchises, you know, you'd be worried about what kind of career you're going to have if you sign up to play for Detroit or Arizona, Washington. I think now is in that list over the the way they've been mismanaged over the last two and a half decades or so. I always thought the the Archie Manning thing was probably more about wanting Eli on the Giants mm-hmm. versus not wanting Eli on the Chargers. But for a long time, the Chargers had that reputation as just not a serious franchise, not one of the places that had everything you need to build a champion. They're working on fixing some of that, but they're also outsiders in their own city in a lot of ways in Los Angeles, so I can understand why that would be a place that, that people would be skeptical to go, although the jersey is just great, right? I mean, I mean, if, if anything, you want to go there to play in the powder blue. Uh, for me, um, I, right now, I would love to play for the Philadelphia Eagles because if you, got, if you drafted me, that means that you think that I'm an awesome player because that's all they do now is just draft just these insane players at great value. Uh, I love that. I love the team. I love the way that roster's built. I think Philly's a cool city. Let's go, let's go there. Um, place that I don't want to get drafted by. I'm gonna go to the Jets. I feel like I'm dead if <laughs> I feel like I'm dead if I'm uh, if I'm a New York Jet. Uh, I I don't want to hang out with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I don't want to deal with uh, New York fans, uh, and I don't want to live and play in New Jersey. So that one's pretty easy for me. The Aaron Rodgers thing is fascinating because I don't know if if he's. I mean, if he if he's the franchise quarterback for a couple of years, and I know the age would suggest it's probably not going to be a couple of years, but when was the last time they had stability at that position? Like, do you got to go back to Namath? I mean, Chad Pennington yeah. had Chad Pennington. Chad Pennington had years, but yeah. but there were there were inconsistencies between those years, and there was an injury uh, a season they lost due to injury. I mean, they they've been looking for an answer at that position for the entire Super Bowl era of NFL football and maybe Aaron Rodgers is it, but it's, I mean, it's a lot, a lot of swings without contact. All right, folks. I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, we'll keep an eye. Obviously we got a podcast later this week. Um, I don't know if painter will be on the, uh, the premium pod later this week because he will be traveling, but Dan and I'll be here for sure. That'll come out. Uh, most likely on Thursday. We'll keep an eye on everything going on in the portal, both on the football side and the basketball side. So no basketball on this podcast uh, this week, but we are keeping an eye. Obviously, Auburn uh, making a move, uh, bringing uh, Tyron Lawrence on campus, the Vanderbilt leading scorer from the pa- this past year. Obviously, there's still uh, some wings that Auburn's uh, really, really pushing hard for. And so some recruiting uh, happenings happening on the uh, on the basketball side. We will keep an eye on that obviously with the newsletter and the podcast 
we'll be back later this week. Dan and I will. Um, until then, subscribe to AuburnObserver.com, and we'll talk to you later. Painter, final thoughts. Dan, what is your favorite thing to mix with water? Ooh, bourbon. Is that? I mean, well, that's. I mean, it's not the only. I mean, lemonade if it's too sweet. You know, can can be cut down with some with some water, uh, or or I guess I guess bourbon would be the the answer to that question. You know what? Bourbon. Thank you.